Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. Today, in this episode, we're talking about put your fear in reverse and get moving. That's a strange title. I'm sure you would agree with that. President Franklin Roosevelt once said, We have nothing to fear but fear itself. That's pretty good, isn't it? (laughs) But FDR made that statement early in the Depression. And what did he mean by that? It sounds odd at first, but what it means is that to succeed, we have to fear being afraid. I would say that fear is faith in reverse. So, Let's put our fear in reverse, and we'll be moving, we'll get moving in faith. Now, why is fear a problem? Well, fear is a problem because being afraid creates a prison called the paralysis of analysis. You see, fear makes life tougher than a $2 steak. I heard a few years ago about a prison in Canada that had used used up its useful life, I guess you could say, and they decided to demolish that prison and build a new one. Well, they moved all the prisoners out to a new prison, and in demolishing the old one, those with the wrecking balls and the sledgehammers made an astounding discovery they discovered that that massive Canadian prison with the foreboding stone walls that nobody ever escaped from was actually made of walls that were pretty much paper mache. They, they appeared to be solid stone, but the walls were not. And any prisoner at any time in that prison could have escaped if he had only tried. But that's a good example of fear. And fear has been broken down to an acronym, you know, like FBI, Federal Bureau of Investigation. Well, fear stands for false evidence appearing real. And that Canadian prison is a perfect example of that. Many times we live in self-imposed prisons of fear where we can't take a step, we can't make a decision, we can't move forward with the Lord because we're just, we're stuck in analyzing everything and we have a bad case of what ifs. What ifs. Well, that a lot of times is related to fear, false evidence appearing real. Now, I'll tell you this, fear is physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually exhausting. You can't live fully in fear because it will destroy you, it will diminish you, it will harm you. Now, as I record this, in May, uh, May 18th, 2020, many around the world, and even in my own country, the United States of America, many are being 
basically, I think, conditioned to think and move and act in a prison of fear. And this simply cannot be done. Fear will kill you. And I want to tell you something that I learned, and I'm not an expert on this, so I'm just going to rely on those who are experts in what they say. We've all seen lion acts at a circus. We've, you know, if we've never been to a circus, we've seen lion tamer acts on television. And those are pretty amazing. I think we all agree that it's, it's pretty astounding that someone would go in a cage with ferocious, stone-cold killers like lions. But the lion tamer can do that because somewhere along the line, somebody discovered that a lion can only focus on one thing at a time. So if you can introduce two things that the lion has to focus on, he's distracted and he's paralyzed Now, I personally wouldn't want to put that to the test, (laughs) but that's how lion tamers do that. Now, how do they do it? Well, they have the chair and the whip, and they're yelling, and you you can see, and I remember seeing this the times I've seen one of those acts. You can see the lion just going back and forth between these, these distractions, well, faith does that, uh, or fear, rather, does that to us when we don't have faith. We are distracted by this, distracted by that. Well, what about this? What if this happens? And we just don't do anything. Fear is faith in reverse. So let's put fear in reverse. You know, think of it like a car and you're shifting gears. Let's put fear in reverse and get going because the opposite of that would be living in faith. But I have to tell you something. This will not be easy because fear's deepest source is who? And right about now, we're all thinking of Saturday Night Live's church lady, and let's say it together, Satan, right? But it's true. Fear's deepest source is Satan himself the enemy of God. Now, Satan's not God. He's not even close. He's not as powerful as God. He just wants everybody to think he is. But Satan is the, is the king of fear, <laughs> the sultan of dread. He's the one that creates so much fear in the world. Now, fear stokes itself with the time and energy that it steals that we should be using to fuel our faith. Does that make sense to you? Think about that. You see, fear has to be um, has to be supported logistically. Think of it that way. So, what's it supported with? Well, all the time you would have normally been using to move forward in faith, you're now spending time worrying about things. See. Even the physical energy you would have used, the mental energy you would have used, the spiritual drive that you would have used moving in faith is now being used to keep the fear going in a reverse way. So I think that if if we're dealing with a lot of fear, we should put that fear in reverse and begin to walk in faith. 
Now, sometimes, I don't even know why I do this podcast sometimes, because some of y'all have so little faith and you walk in so much fear that you couldn't sell a gun in a prison riot, all right? That's where some of you are. But let's see if if we can move forward. But, you know, I hear you right now. Many of you are saying, well, under the circumstances, hey, what are you doing under there? If you're a Christian, you are not doomed and and, uh, sentenced to live under the circumstances. Now, I know what's going on in the world right now, and it it threw me a little bit for a couple of weeks, but I, I think I've got it figured out now. And I'm not living in fear anymore. Now, I realize that that the uh, the virus thing, I realize many have gotten sick, some have died, but I also can clearly see that it is not, not, not as contagious and as deadly as we were, I believe, misled to believe by certain forces early on. And so... We need to be operating now in faith. There's no more room for fear. We can't continue to wait on that. So I don't want you living under those circumstances. But it may not even be that. It may be something you're dealing with within your relationships, in your job life, your education, maybe a, a you know a health issue. We are not doomed. To, I'm not saying we don't run into problems. I get that. But we're not doomed to live under those. So one of the things that we need to do is stop thinking in terms of, well, under the circumstances, we don't have to be under there because Jesus is large and in charge. Amen? Now, I want you to think about something here. There are lies told by Satan. Satan tells lies about God. Well, you can't trust him. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, if you can't trust God, who can you trust, right? Satan lies, though, about that. He tries to get us to think that, man, you know, you just can't trust God. God's got it in for you. I mean, you can't trust God. Don't do that. Satan also lies not only about God, but he lies to us about ourselves. He lies to us about that that we're not forgiven, you know, we're doomed in sin and all this kind of stuff. But hey, when the devil reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. Yeah. There's also our lies that we tell ourselves. We tell ourselves lies about God sometimes. We'll say things to ourselves like, well, he doesn't care about little old me. I mean, sure. The Lord knows about the president, and the Lord knows about the preacher at my church, and the Lord knows about, you know, really important people. But, hey, I'm just me. God doesn't care about little old me. Well, that's not true. God is intimately involved in your life and loves you so much that Jesus Christ died on your cross so that you could be saved and live with God forever. Jesus said that God knows, and Jesus, of course, is God. God knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows how long you will live. He knows everything about you, and he still loves you. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? But that's true of me, too. God knows me, and the amazing thing is he still loves me. 
the lies we tell ourselves about God, but also lies we tell ourselves about ourselves. Sometimes we will say, I do this sometimes, and it's a bad habit. And I, when it happens, I, I catch myself and correct myself. Sometimes I think within my mind, I have no hope, you know, about, let's say, a situation or a challenge or a need. I have no hope. I can't do this. And I have to remember that, that in Christ, I've got more hope than I could ever use. Amen. I've got all the resources I will ever need to do everything he wants me to do. That's the truth. So many times we, we live in fear, and we need to put fear in reverse and get moving in faith. Well, what's the solution to this, this dilemma we face so often? Well, we need a vaccine, right? I mean, that's the hot button word right now, vaccine, 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 vaccine. There may not ever be a vaccine, okay? And even if there is, I'm not sure I want to take it. So the world is desperately, feverishly searching for a vaccine right now. Well, here's the vaccine for living in fear. Here's, here's the vaccine. It's truth. Truth. Truth about God and truth about ourselves. We, and I'm going to show you how we do this, we have to take every thought captive to Christ. And if it does not match the truth in Christ, then execute it. Every thought that is opposite what God says deserves to die a quick, violent death. You control your mind and heart if you're a Christian. If you're not a Christian, you need to become one so you can control your mind and heart. You see, fear is a squatter on sacred ground purchased by the blood of Christ. I'm going to give you eight passages of Scripture here, and I may elaborate a little bit on each one. The first one is 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 5. Write it down. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5. I'm going to read it here. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So, Let's say that um, let's say that Satan says to you, well, you, you know, you have no choice. You have to live in fear. And then you can just remind yourself where the Bible says uh, many, 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 many times, like I forget how many, but something like 140 times or more, fear not. That's the truth, right? So casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. If it doesn't match, that thought doesn't match the truth as we know it to be in the Bible, the Word of God, in the mind of Christ, then execute that thought. Make it a total slave and captive to what is true. And that's a good strategy. That's a Bible strategy right there. 
Here's another passage. Psalm 56, verse 3. Now, this is one I've committed to memory because it's short. (laughs) Psalm 56, verse 3. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. One more time. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Now, who's the the thee there? Well, the psalmist is writing this about himself and his relationship to the Lord. So think about what he said. He didn't say that he's never afraid. He didn't say that fear was non-existent in his life. He said, and I'm just paraphrasing this, hey, every time I'm afraid or whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you, God. That's what he's saying. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Too many people today are trusting in themselves, and you will fail. If you're trusting in yourself to get out of the mess you're in, you're going to fail. The arm of flesh will fail you, the Bible says. But when you have fear, when you're afraid, make that be like a a reminder, a trigger, a little signal to you to up the need to trust in God. And notice here how he writes that. What time I'm afraid, I will trust in thee. He's saying it to the Lord. It's very personal. There are times, uh, one happened this week, I don't know what it is about me and my family, but A lot of our uh, fear, trials, and tribulations seem to center around cars and money. Like, you know, cars breaking down and should we repair them or replace them? And I'm sure that's true for many of you. What time I'm afraid I will trust in thee. Well, I had another one of those opportunities again this week. And naturally, right at first, just like you, that fear tries to weasel in and, you know, Thankfully, and I give the Lord the praise here, thankfully, very quickly, I just thought, you know, God's never failed us. He's not going to fail us now. He's going to show me what to do, and I'll be good. And I, I turned it over to him right then. This bothers me, Father, so I'm, I'm turning to you to give me peace. And you know what he did? What time I'm afraid... I will trust in thee. Here's another one. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Now that's written through the the prophet Jeremiah, the Lord inspired him and had him write this down, but it's what the Lord was saying to Jeremiah and to his people, and I believe by extension to you and I. For, this is the Lord speaking, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of what? Thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Many of you, even if you're a Christian today, 
were were raised in a climate and a culture and by people who maybe meant well, but but they weren't raised right either by the people who raised them. And you were raised to fear God. And I don't mean, I'm not talking about having a godly reverence for God. You were raised to think that God is out to whack you. I mean, even if you were a Christian, right? Uh, God's going to get me, you know, that kind of thing. And you're pretty sure that if God ever catches up with you, it's going to be ugly. All right? It's a lie. If you're a Christian, that's a lie. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Man, what a comfort, amen? Here's another one. This is from directly from the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, from, from himself. Matthew 6, verse 33. And he said this to people who are mainly peasants, who live day to day, hand to mouth, earning hopefully enough money that day to have food to eat that day. That's the kind of people primarily that were in this crowd Jesus preached to in this passage, Matthew 6, 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. But seek ye first, that is, number one, first priority, priority one. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You know, about two years ago, um, well, a, a little over a year ago, I think it'll be two years this November, God impressed on my heart and mind, I, I think through this passage, that a way that I could do that is to be extremely intentional. So what I felt led to do is to bloom where I'm planted. And I started This Week in the Word, this podcast, and I did it deliberately and with a, a desire, a plan to produce a new podcast every week I didn't know exactly how I was going to make it known, but I began to do it, and God's been guiding me. And you know what? Uh, I'm recording this in May, so it's been going, what, a year and uh, whatever number of months, uh, but been going a while. But you know that today we shattered the 2,500 mark of downloads? Stunning. <laughs> And in the meantime, God has taken care of our family's financial needs. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. In that same passage where Jesus says this, by the way, he promises that God, the heavenly Father, knows everything that we need to live, and he will give it to us. Amen. Philippians 4, 13. This is the Apostle Paul writing this. 
when he writes it, he's actually in a Roman prison, but he's writing it to one of his favorite churches, the church at Philippi. And Philippians 4.13, he writes there, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. One more time. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. When Paul might have been tempted to feel weak or give up or quit or throw a, a Paul pity party, and we've all been tempted to do that, and the truth is we've all done that, right? If Paul felt that he was facing a, an assignment that was beyond his strength, he reminded himself that, whoa, 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 I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. He said in another place that when, when he was weakest, you know, when we're weakest, then God's strength is perfected in us. In other words, when I realize I'm just an old empty bucket, I'm ready for God to fill it, and God does that. All right, here's another one also from Philippians, just a few verses later. Paul writes again, he's still in prison, <laughs> but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. When you're, when you're tempted to fear and worry, as many, many are today about health, about am I even going to be able to go to a grocery store if I go? Is there going to be food on the shelf? And many of you live in states where the government has gone nuts and you're starting to wonder what is going on here. Now, thankfully, where I'm living... I live in a free state, and we're opening back up. And you people who are trapped in the slave states, I call them, where government is oppressing you, you might not know because probably in those states, the majority of you watch CNN, MSNBC, CBS, NBC, ABC, blah, 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 all the alphabets, you watch them, and all you're getting is that this is terrible. You're going to die. It's all going to be bad. The best thing to do is to live like a slave in your house, and it's this way all over the country. No, it's not. You're being lied to. It is not like that the rest of the country. If you live in New York, you think the world's about to end. We're living out here. If you're trapped in California or Washington State or Michigan or Illinois, you have got to be going crazy there because everywhere else, life is beginning to move again. I know that's depressing, but listen, you're at a point where you're saying, how am I going to feed my family? Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Well, how will he do that, Pastor Ed? I don't have to know how. I just need to know who. If you cry out to God, I do not know how he'll do it. I believe he'll take care of you. 
Psalm 23, verse 1. Psalm 23, verse 1. What we call the shepherd's psalm, the 23rd psalm. If you memorize this when you were a child, you need to refresh yourself and quote it every single day. I do this most days repeatedly throughout the day. Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And go ahead and memorize the whole psalm. And it will comfort your heart. It will kill that fear. And it will grow your faith. Put your fear in reverse and get moving forward in faith. Now, I save the biggest passage for last, and this is a great one. You're about to learn that if you're a Christian today, you are a super conqueror. That's literally the Greek word used for more than conquerors. We are super conquerors in Christ. I'm going to say something, and it's going to offend some of you, and I don't care. People are infatuated today with superheroes. There are no superheroes. It's a figment of man's imagination. Batman doesn't exist. The closest thing we have to anything like that are American military. <laughs> They're true heroes. But many of you spend more of your time and energy and you're allowing your children to spend more time and energy in building up the fantasy of superheroes today to a cult-like worship. And that's wrong. Okay, I've offended pretty much everybody. We're good. My work here is done. But God says in Romans 8, 28 to 39, that the Christian is a super conqueror. Now, that's real. And are you, are you building your mind up in this truth and the hearts and minds of your sons and daughters in this truth, which is true, or are you allowing that time and energy to be robbed that would build this up in uh, following superheroes. What a joke, right? Let's read this passage. Romans eight twenty-eight, all the way through verse 39. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose, for whom He did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say then to these things? If God be 
for us. Who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow! When you are dealing with fear, I want you to remember that if you are trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you're in a a live relationship with Him by faith, He says that you are more than conquerors. You are a super conqueror and that you can't lose. You can't be beat. Even if people were to kill you, they can't actually kill you, only your body. And you're instantly in the presence of Christ forever. Man, I'm telling you, when you think about fear coming against you, what about this, what about that? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, don't you know, Mr. Fear, you're dealing with a super conqueror here in Christ? How do you come up bringing this stuff at me? You know, I mean, hey, get a little game, right? You know, uh, you know, uh, swag, spiritually speaking, uh, uh, based on Christ, not you. Um, brag on the objection. When, when the enemy tries to make you afraid, you can say, yep, that scares me. But God is greater than my fear. Brag on the objection. Like, don't don't whistle past the graveyard. If something is bugging you right now, say, Lord, this scares me, but I'm turning to you. Remember Psalm 56, 3? What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Brag on the objection. Hey, when the devil knocks, let Jesus answer the door, okay? You can't keep the devil from knocking on your door and trying to get you to live in fear. But the next time that happens, say, Lord, um, you need to answer that door. And you do it through Scripture, through His truth. Now, you think about David and Goliath. And I've been thinking a lot about that lately. David dropped Goliath because he saw how big God is. 
Now, let's get realistic here. (laughs) David was a a teenager, and Goliath was a seasoned warrior. That's why everyone feared him. But he also was massive, probably about 9 or 10 feet tall. And a lot of people, the last thing they'd ever seen in life was Goliath killing them, all right? So it was a real threat. And David, though, said, well, how did David do what he did? Well, one thing David did is he realized that this was a battle between God and Goliath, not David and Goliath. And he was thinking probably, hey, with God, my giant is big, too big to miss. Because he saw that Jesus is large and in charge. And that's how you and I need to see God. Someone showed me or sent me, or I saw it online, but I know somebody sent something to me recently where um, uh, some a, a little lion cub or tiger or a wolf cub or something was facing... I don't know, a bear, let's say, an adult bear, but behind the behind the cub was the was the mama wolf. This massive killer animal behind this little cub, and so the cub was not scared. You get it? You're getting it? You see, David, he he would have agreed, yep, that's a big old boy over there. But um he's so big that with God I can't miss him. And he took him down. Took him down. Wow. Jesus is large and in charge. Now, you, if you live in a prison of fear, or if I realize I'm doing that in any given point in my day or week or month or year or life, if we realize we're being tempted to live in fear, then we need to be trained or retrained on new thinking. Now, just as we develop neural pathways, you know, the way our our nerves and our muscles work together, we also develop spiritual pathways. That is, you can begin with Scripture to train and discipline your heart and mind to look at life as the Lord would have you look at life. Oh no, I just lost my job. What am I going to do? Well, the first thing I would do is Psalm 56.3. What time I am afraid? Yeah, I'm, I'm afraid about losing my job. What time I am afraid? I will trust in thee. So if you get that notice that your job is no longer there for you to go back to, thank you, Lockdown States. Um, then you've got to immediately begin developing that spiritual pathway, just like you have physical neural pathways in your brain and your muscles and all that. You've got to do the same thing spiritually, that when, when you're poked, your response is to, after you cry out from the pain, <laughs> is to take that pain to Jesus. 
That's what you and I, and I, I got to relearn this every day, so you never learn it completely and are done with it. All of us have to develop spiritual pathways of taking everything to the Lord. You know, one of my favorite writers was a Georgia graduate, Georgia Bulldog, Louis Grizzard, legendary humorist. He died uh, fairly young, I think, Not didn't live into the 70s or 80s or anything. But he, he once wrote a book, and I've never forgotten his title. I think I've read some of it. Here's the title of the book, Elvis is Dead and I Don't Feel So Good Myself. <laughs> I think you can still get that book. You'll enjoy it. It's funny. Elvis is dead and I don't feel so good myself. Well, sometimes we walk around like that, like, oh, Bubba, you know, so-and-so lost their job and I bet I'm next. Well, you may be. I can't say you won't be. But you may not be. That's, that's another thing to consider, too. But we train ourselves sometimes to think in that very way. Well, Elvis is dead, and I don't feel so good myself. Come on. We've got to develop neural... Uh, we, uh, just like we develop neural pathways, we've got to develop spiritual pathways of, of handling life as it comes. Now, here's... This is Dr. M. Here's my prescription. I want you, and I do this, I want you to listen to multiple passages, multiple chapters of Scripture daily. Now, I've always, uh, since the day I got saved, I started reading the Bible. I think within three weeks of becoming a Christian as a 16-year-old, I read the entire New Testament I devoured it, and I, I had no interest in the Bible prior to that. But when I got saved, I got hungry, and I, I devoured the Word of God. And I'm not bragging. I'm just saying this is what the Lord did in me. And I've always read Scripture every day, usually several chapters. Well, a while back, I was thinking about the phrase, faith cometh by it doesn't say reading, although reading the Bible, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that, so don't, don't go off in the wrong direction. But I started thinking about, you know, back in uh, all through church history, most people probably couldn't even read. And even if they could read, they may not have had a scroll to read from or a Bible themselves to read from or one in their language that they could read. So probably... The majority of Christians throughout history have heard the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing. So I started thinking about that, and I thought, well, that's very, that's very interesting. So Bible Gateway has an aspect to it. Look for it. It's easy to find uh, in BibleGateway.com. A way to listen to endless, endless amounts of Scripture every day, and it's, it's free even. And I mean le- legitimately free, BibleGateway.com. So you can go there, and you can begin to listen to Scripture every day. Well, I've been doing that, and sometimes it's 20, 25, 30 psalms a day or 50 or 70 Um, I may change later to something else, but there's something about listening to the Psalms that's like a a medicine to my heart, a balm to my soul. So I listen to Scripture. 
and I've noticed something, I can begin to complete the verse um, now. Not, I mean, not all of them. I'm not saying that. But when I hear a phrase, I know what the next phrase is going to be after that so many times. And it gives me something to rehearse in my mind throughout the day of something that I heard. Or I may face a situation that day that I, I didn't know was coming up, but what I heard comes right back to me to, to, to use with that particular circumstance. So listen to multiple passages and chapters of Scripture daily. Now, I'm going to get on to some of you who are allegedly professing Christians. Some of you kill me when you say, well, I read my verse today. You know, you've got this little thing on your kitchen table and you read like this uh, one sentence verse, which I'm not knocking that verse. It's from the Bible. Okay, that's that's good. But I'm here to tell you, if if you think you're living in a day and age where reading one verse of the Bible a day is some major league accomplishment, you need to get real. The Bible has a passage, I think it's in Jeremiah, where the question is asked, hey, if running against runners has made you tired, what are you going to do when you have to run against the horses? And that's just my paraphrase. You can find it and read it. It's much more majestic the way God inspired it and Jeremiah wrote it. But the point is, we're not living in a foot race today. We're living in in times where we're running against fast horses. We're going to need the Lord's help. Your little one verse a day, it ain't going to get it done. I mean, you need like, a chapter a day, five chapters a day. Well, that would take a long time, Pastor Ed. Yep. So it all depends on if you want to win. Listen to multiple passages and chapters of Scripture daily. If you don't want to listen to them, then certainly uh, read the Bible every day. And I don't mean like you open your Bible and you take your finger and just Drop it on a verse, and you read that one verse, and then rush off to work. This just there's nothing wrong with that verse again, but that but you need chunks of scripture. We live in an evil day. Now here's another idea: instead of of listening to Good Morning America every morning, droning on and on about bad news. Tune in to God's Morning America and hear the good news. I never, ever turn on the TV in the morning because my mind, my heart, my mindset, my faith is too valuable to let it be ruined and tainted by uh Bad News America, Bad Morning America, <laughs> Good Morning America, which just just ladles out the bad news. And I'm not picking on them, although they deserve it. But all of the mainstream media, and even for you Foxites out there, and I watch Fox, because it's as close as I'm going to get to truth, and I can see things in it that bug me. But anyway, I'm not trying to get on that. What I'm saying is, 
You cannot fill your heart and mind from the start in the morning with bad news and expect to rejoice in the good news. Listen to multiple passages and chapters of Scripture daily, and God is going to help you. Really, Pastor Ed? Of course, I wouldn't say it if it didn't work, right? And whatever you're doing right now isn't working, which is why you've listened all the way to the end of this podcast. Can I get a witness? So let's do something different here. Now, if it's true that that little thing about self-fulfilling prophecy, then make it a good one. (laughs) If If prophecy sometimes fulfills itself, then make sure you're paying attention to something that's going to be good for you when it happens. Mark Twain, also known as Samuel Clemens, once said, and I I don't think I have the whole quote, but it's the gist of it right here. He was asked about worry and troubles in life, and he said, you know, Basically, I've lived a long time. I've worried about a great many things, most of which never happened. Think about that. Satan trains us to become sitting ducks through fear, dread, and worry. I mean, it's one thing to say, uh, you know, my radiator on my car sprung a leak. I'm going to need to do something about that. That's normal. What's not normal is agonizing about it and having it steal your joy. And it may even do that temporarily, but if if something's bugging you and you take it to the Lord, then he's going to give you a solution. This week, I've got to confess something. I was at a gas station and uh, when I got out of the car, my my eyes immediately went to a sheet metal screw that was stuck in the tread of one of my tires. And I, I got us, and I didn't cuss, I don't mean that, but my attitude was like that. And it's like, ah, you know, and it's just, I let it get me down. But immediately I, I said, Lord, I'm so wrong. Thank you for showing me the sheet metal screw in my tire tread because it could cause a blowout or a flat. Thank you for showing it to me so that I can go right from here, get the tire repaired, and so on. And I did that, and on the way to getting to the place where I got the tire repaired, the Lord reminded me that, hey, something else has been bugging you, and that is you need to rotate these tires so while they're fixing that other one, just get, get it all done and get it all off your mind. And I did, and I felt great. <laughs> I, I was so embarrassed that my first response was like, you know, complaining, right? And the Lord was so gracious to show that to me and took, took, took care of two problems with one trip. How is that for taking care of me? And... Because of where we bought the tires, there was no charge. And it all was done quickly. And two things that had been dogging me mentally were taken care of. Isn't that great? Listen, the journey of faith over fear begins with the first step. And I'm telling you, take it. 
This is your exit ramp. If you're not a Christian yet, you should become one soon. And you'll know when it's time because the Lord will be speaking to you about your sin and you're in big trouble, mister. But Jesus Christ paid the price for your sin, crucified, dead, buried, and resurrected so that you can live eternally with him and he's coming back. And there's a whole lot more more to that gospel story. But many of you listening have been playing church and those days are done. It's time for you to become a real Christian. No kidding, no playing around. Others that are listening, you are Christians and you know that you are, but you you have needed to be reminded about these things so that you do not you do not operate in fear. And so you're going to put fear in reverse and begin moving in faith again. If you have questions about any of this, you need spiritual counsel. You need someone to help you place your faith in Christ or to grow in your Christian faith. You can call this number, 888-537-8720. One more time, 888-537-8720. If you will call that number during normal business hours, central time in America, someone will be able to help you with your spiritual questions and even help provide you with information that you may grow in your knowledge of Christ and your life with Him. Well, I thank you so much for listening today. All of these episodes end so quickly And yet it's my honor and privilege to share the Word of God with you. I hope this has been a blessing to you today in the name of Christ. Please share this with others. They can find This Week in the Word at www.dredhill.podbean.com. It can also be found in many places where podcasts are hosted. Thanks so much for listening, and God bless you richly is my prayer.